And so this morning we're in the next part of our series called Resurrection, if it's real. And if you've been in church or you have some background, you're like, yeah, resurrection, I get that. That's real. That's Easter, that we believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And so you get that. But we're talking about not just the factual understanding that Jesus died and rose from the dead, but the reality of what that means for our lives. And so if you're new to Jesus or maybe you don't know Jesus, the reality of what we believe, what the scriptures tell us is that Jesus died on the cross for our sin to pay for our brokenness and our failure and our sin that kept us away from God so we could be reunited with God. And then he rose from the dead to justify he was who he said he was and he did what he said he was going to do. And because he was perfect, sin couldn't hold him. So we celebrate this thing called resurrection. Now, here's the, the tension point for us. That if you've known Jesus for a long time, what happens is the reality of the resurrection becomes less and less in our lives. It becomes something that's an afterthought. It becomes something that's like, yeah, I get that. I understand that. And then we just kind of live our lives. The truth of the resurrection 2,000 years ago when it happened, it didn't come out that way in the lives of people. It so impacted their experience, it changed everything about who they are. There wasn't anything about each person who knew Jesus and followed Jesus that was the same. They were so transformed because of the truth of the resurrection. So 2,000 years later, we're walking through this series to try to embrace this reality that we should be able to experience the impact of the resurrection like they did 2,000 years ago. So this morning, I want to talk about that when you and I truly believe, and this is kind of something you can look internally to kind of assess yourself. If you're a follower of Jesus, and this is one of the, another one of the great reasons why it's important to know and follow Jesus and understand how he brings us back to God, is that if we really believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then we look at the end of our life or we look at death completely differently than the world that we live in. We actually anticipate something that the rest of the world is trying to fight to stay away from. It's this thing called death. It's this, in our world, death is a dead end, but when you follow Jesus, death is a doorway into the reality of what Jesus brings to us, which is we are resurrected to live forever with God. Now, for some, it might think, oh, that's nice, kind of flowery talk, and you hear about that at funerals. In fact, what I'm going to talk about this morning, most of the time, I only get the chance to talk about it at funerals, and we're not, gonna, we're not at a funeral, but I'm going to talk about some important things about where we, where we look towards the end of our life. But think about it in your own mind, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. When you think about death, does it terrify you? Does it control you to the point where what you do each day, even, even maybe you don't even realize you do it, but you do everything in your power to make sure that you don't encounter, in, encounter any risky situation that may cost you your life. You avoid anything that could be dangerous at all costs. If that's the driving force and you're, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you're missing the reality of the resurrection because you'll view de death differently. Anybody been on Jurassic Park at, at Universal Studios? Okay five, six, or seven of you. You guys need to get out more. It's a really fun ride. So that ride, it's, it's kind of like, like life in, it's, it's in, in a nutshell. So at the end of that ride, they drop you 84 feet you know, down at the end of a, of a chute with water and the whole nine yards. And it's, I love it. It's really cool. Because when you go through that whole thing, you get to the end and the T-Rex comes through a waterfall and it's about to get you and then you drop. Now for some people who don't like the end of the ride, they won't even go on it because the end of the ride terrifies them. But I know when I get on the ride, it's like, okay, I'll deal with all the like fake dinosaurs throughout the whole ride and the music and everything, and little dinosaurs squirt water at you. That's really scary. But then the drop at the end is exhilarating. And so the whole time you're going through it, me, I have this anticipation. I know what's coming next, and I can't wait to get to the end of the ride. 
if you and I truly believe the resurrection is real, and we'll talk about this this morning, then I can't to wait to get to the end of the ride, which means I actually look forward. I don't have a death wish. I'm not going to go take my own life, but I actually look forward to the day where I get to go through the passageway called death, because it's no longer the end, because Jesus rose from the dead, into the life that God desires for me to have forever. If that's the truth, then it changes everything about the way we live our life today. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. So to begin, and, and these passages of scripture won't be on the, on the screen because I just want you to listen to them. Sometimes it's just important for us just to let the Bible speak for itself. So I'm just going to read a series of passages that talk about afterlife and talk about resurrection and talk about the guarantee of what we have if you've chosen to follow Jesus. So Jesus, uh, Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8 verse 11 about Jesus' resurrection and the guarantee for us. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Anybody want life in your moral body, mortal bodies? Yeah, you're like, yeah, I feel like that this morning, right? Listen to the promise in Jesus' own words that he gives to us about his return. In John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus says, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I will go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus says he's going to come back for us. It leads to the resurrection. So listen to what two men or angels said to a group of Jesus' followers when he ascended back to the Father in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So, so it says this, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was taken up from you into heaven and will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Again, it's this promise that Jesus is going to come back and the reality of the resurrection is going to be true for those who know him. Then listen to uh, second, or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and through 18. Paul records this event that will happen at Jesus' return. He says, but, when, uh, but we do not know uh, or we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may, or asleep using the term also, those who have died before you, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then finally, listen, I know this is a lot of scripture, like, I haven't read that much Bible in years, right? But it's important, listen, let the Bible speak. So listen to what Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 57. He says, what I am, I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, 
but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the, la the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies may be trans must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just let that settle in. I know that's a lot. You just got fire hosed with scripture. But just let that settle in for a moment. What the Bible's telling us is that if you choose to follow Jesus and you give your life fully to him and you understand that his death covers your sin and brokenness, but his life, his resurrection, gives you the potential that death is no longer the end, it's actually the passageway into life. That there is something beyond this reality that we live in, that God calls us to, that God desires for us, that God is restoring back to the way it's supposed to be. And that comes through this thing called resurrection, which we'll talk specifically about this morning. So I want to start with four things that, that, that what we're actually anticipating, if we have this sense of anticipation, what are we actually looking forward to? What's going to happen for us? We've mentioned this in some of these passages, but the first thing that we are anticipating, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're leaning in, is that you are anticipating the return of Jesus. This is a fact. You think, well, it's been a long time. Jesus said 2,000 years ago he's going to return. He did. He promised that. You know, the Bible also tells us that God is patiently waiting for people to turn to him through Jesus, and that's why Jesus hasn't come back yet, because he loves people. But he's going to return, and here's the truth for every person who's a follower of Jesus. Either Jesus will return here, and you will see him face to face, or when you die, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will go to be in his presence. Either way, at the end of your lifetime, you're going to see Jesus. Then the question with that is, is are you ready for that reality? Because Paul talks about that. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 2, where he says that, that there's this understanding that he had that if he leaves this earth, if he leaves his body, if he dies, then he gets to be present with the Lord. But if he remains, obviously, he knows the Lord. But, but the disconnect is that the leaving of this body, which is death, means that you go to be in the presence of the Lord. So you're going to see Jesus. Now, what, what you and I have to understand is this anticipation of what that's like. Because if you know Jesus in this life, you're going to know him in a whole nother dimension in the next life. And we need to understand that. So think of somebody that you love deeply. You know them really well, but then there's a depth of your love that it goes to another level and you understand more about them. Perfect example is, is a wedding. So many, most of you are aware that, that last Sunday evening, Harold Franklin, who's our media director, and Catrice, his fiance, finally got married. So six years, that was a miracle, right? But the coolest thing, I, one of the things I love about being able to do weddings is to watch the bride and the groom. And, and Harold and Catrice went old school. They didn't see each other the whole day until the first time they saw each other was when Catrice walked down the aisle. And so, so just a couple minutes right before the, the ceremony started, Harold had been Mr. You know, calm, cool, and collected the whole day. And I looked at him, and he goes, I am really nervous now. <laughs> I'm like, finally, you're acting like a groom, you know? And so, so I was watching, and, you know, there's pe a lot of people there, and he could see the, you know, the, the bridesmaids, bridesmaids off in the distance. He couldn't see Catrice. And I could tell there was this, this was anxiety, but it was excitement because he knew he was going to see Catrice. And then we walk out, <coughs> and then all, you know, the, the rest of the wedding party walks in, and then Catrice comes to 
the end of the aisle, and she starts walking forward. To see Catrice's face and to see Harold's face, it was priceless. And here's the reality. They know each other. They've been dating for six years, but they've never known each other in this context. Harold's never seen Catrice in a wedding dress. She's never seen Harold standing there on a wedding day. And something changes in that moment because now you see each other in a reality and a category that you never had before. And when Catrice finally got all the way down to the aisle and then they turned and they faced me, I'm telling you, I wish I had a camera push to pull out my phone because they had never seen both of them smile so big in their entire life. It was incredible. Why? Because they finally got to see the person they loved in that day face to face. Jesus is going to return or you're going to go see him. And that's really good news. And can you imagine what that's going to be like when you get to see him, that anticipation? You're going to see him in a dimension that you've never experienced before. You're going to see him face to face. So understanding that we are anticipating the return of Jesus. Second reality is that we are anticipating the guarantee of life after death. The guarantee that there's something better beyond this existence. To think about that. Why is that important? Because for most of us, we want to hang on to this life with everything within us because we fear what will come next. So how do you live when you know that there's something better than just the here and now? So listen to what Paul describes about what's temporary and what's present and physical and then what is eternal and what is invisible and the comparison between the two. He says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. He says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we uh, see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Just think about that for a moment. Our bodies every single day are dying away. How many feel that, right? The older you get, the more aches and pains, the more challenges we have. But if you know Jesus, just in correlation to as your body starts to deteriorate, your spirit and your soul begins to start to celebrate because you realize that there's something inside of you that is anticipating some future reality that will actually set you free from the broken state of your physical reality. And that's the beauty of anticipation of what's going to come next, which means we see the dying process happen physically, but we realize something's be we're being renewed internally inside of us. And it's, it's, it's a struggle because the only, and I, I've done a lot of funerals, and this is the tough part, is that this is the only reality we have. We don't, we don't get to go back and forth from God's presence directly and then back here and say, yeah, I'm just going to, this is the reality that we all have. It's the physical reality that we know. It's what we can see, touch, taste. It's our senses. And so to kind of understand that there's another dimension of life is hard for us. But that's because this is the way God has set it up. If you understand the way that we live, it's, it's kind of like how a two-way mirror works. So if you ever have, maybe some of you, in fact, all of us at one time or another, you have stood in front of a two-way mirror, even if you don't know that, which means somebody's on the other side and they can see everything that you're doing, even though you can't see them. I remember the first time I got exposed to a two-way mirror, I was in a focus group for Levi's and they were trying to figure out how they could best market there's some new jeans coming out. And so they had like 12 or 14 of us in a room and so they were taking out different pairs of jeans and I just thought there's this one wall was just a huge mirror. Did not realize that there was a group of executives on the other side of that watching everything that we did, how we reacted and how we responded to each pair of jeans until they told us that obviously after the fact so they could get our, our responses. 
So they knew that there was two sides, but, but I didn't know there was two sides. And I think if you and I understand the reality of what God sees, he sees both sides. He looks through and he sees, and, and the passageway of death leads right through that two-way mirror to the other side and the other reality, which means there's something on the other side of the reflection back of your own reality. All we see is this, but the Bible tells us and promises us the reality that there is something beyond this reality. And we get to look forward to that. We get to look forward to that there's something beyond this existence. If we don't have something beyond this existence, then this 50 to 100 years is all that we get. I don't know, you life is good, but it ain't that good. If this is the only thing I get for my existence as a human being, there has to be something greater. There has to be life beyond this life which leads to resurrection, which is what we're talking about this morning, which leads to the third thing. We are also anticipating, and this is really cool. This is one we have a hard time getting our brains around. We're anticipating a resurrected body. Now, we don't understand fully what a resurrected body will be like, other than the fact that we have Jesus as an example after his death and his resurrection, that Jesus obviously was around a little while, and so people interacted with him in this resurrected state. So we do, these are, the, these are the things that we know about, about the resurrected body. So the, the new body that we're going to get that's going to give us a capacity to experience things that we haven't yet to experience in this life. So we understand it has physical qualities. When Jesus rose from the dead, he wasn't some disembodied spirit that just floated around, you know, that area of the, of the planet for a while. He actually had physical real, reality. We know that he was touched. We know that he ate food and digested food. So he had physical capabilities, obviously, that, that were true of him. But he also had a whole other category of supernatural qualities to his body that, that people who had not been resurrected didn't have. Like, for example, Jesus would appear and disappear without walking. He would appear in a room when the doors were closed and, the, and, the, and it was locked. And then he would appear disappear. They would see him and then he would be gone. Can you imagine, just think for this moment, just like, oh, that was cool for Jesus. No, think about that ability for you and I. Can you imagine if you could get from point A to point B without taking a car, a bus, a train, a plane, walking, or whatever? You could just get there. Like, like right now, you could say, you know, I think I'm going to go hang out in San Francisco. Boom, you're there. Would that be cool? I would be excited for me. I mean, I think, that would be amazing. How do you do that? Because all we know is the physical reality of where we are. We're, we're stuck around. But in a resurrected body, we have the physical capabilities. We, it, it's just like this. We can feel it, but we can move without having to be provide our own transportation. That's pretty cool. How about the third thing? That we'll actually be in a body that lasts forever. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and not feeling the aches and pains of your age, ever? No matter how long you existed, that you have a body that's going to last forever. It's never going to deteriorate. It's always going to be in perfect condition. You never have to go to the gym. You don't have to eat right all the time. You don't have to exercise. It's just perfect all the time. Anybody in on that one? That's a resurrected body. It's the body that God's created us to live in. It's the existence that we're supposed to have. It's a glimpse of what Adam and Eve had in the garden before sin entered the equation. There was no deterioration. There was no breakdown. There was no clock that was winding down. But to have a body that literally lasts forever. And the fourth thing that we know is true, it's a body that is designed to fully embrace the kingdom of God. All of God's presence. We can't, we can't do that right now. We, we have a glimpse of God's presence. But we don't get that relationship like Adam and Eve had, obviously, is that face-to-face -face reality because we, we couldn't handle that. But it's a body that gives us that ability. Then there's a final thing that we anticipate, and that is we anticipate the fulfillment of God's purpose. So I've mentioned this many times before. What is the whole point of human history? 
Obviously, it's something that brings credit and glory to God, but the whole point of human history, the human narrative, Jesus' death and his resurrection and his return and all of that, all laid out in human history is for one primary point. God loves people and wants to be with them, so he's done everything possible for human beings to relate to him directly forever. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, which we read earlier. Paul says this. It says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I love this. And so we will always be with the Lord. You remember back at the beginning of time in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened to them? They were separated. Now we are reunited forever because Jesus' death and resurrection. So we get to be here. Listen to Revelation chapter 21. Verse 3, John had a vision God gave him, and this is what he said. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the uh, dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, face to face, the way God created us. That's what this reality is for us. That's what it means to see God's fulfill, his purpose fulfilled. See, you and I, in the reality of our life right now, in the physical bodies that we have, we could not possibly maintain a life in the presence of God directly. We can't because of our brokenness and our sinfulness. But God gives us a body in eternity that has capabilities that allow us to fully experience what it is to be human. We think we're human now. And we think when we say human, we think of the broken side. But what it really means to be human is to be perfected by God, to experience all that he has for us. If you, if you went down to Florida and you hopped on the next you know, SpaceX uh, rocket to go into space and you decided to go on a spacewalk by yourself, the, just moments outside the door of that spacecraft, what would happen to you? You would die quickly because your body is not made for space because if there's no oxygen, the temperatures are extreme. It's just an environment that human beings cannot survive apart from something assisting them to exist. So anytime you see a, an astronaut go on a spacewalk, what do they have on? They have a spacesuit. Why? Because their human abilities are limited to the point they can't survive in space. But with a spacesuit, they have this capacity to go beyond what their human abilities can do. It's not unlike that, that God gives us a resurrected body that allows us to live in a context that we couldn't live apart from being resurrected. And this is exciting stuff because most of us don't get up in the morning and think about this, do we? We look at our calendars and our schedules and we think about the stresses of the day, but don't think about this is the reality of where everything's leading to, especially if you've made a commitment to follow Jesus, which is underscores why it's so important to follow Jesus, because he has something in store for you and I. And then what I want to conclude with this morning is, is what should our anticipation look like? What is, when we really believe that the resurrection is true and we're looking towards death, not as a dead end, but a doorway into what God has for us. What does that do inside of us? The first thing that's true of what this anticipation looks like is it looks like tension. You think, well, wouldn't it look like peace? Yeah, it does, but it looks like tension. The reason it looks like tension is because there's this reality of being fully present here and yet knowing that we are going somewhere different. There's tension. Why? Because here's what happens. Something happens when we choose to follow Jesus. We end up falling into two major camps when it comes to the reality of the resurrection of the future. One side is we don't really believe it. And so we have this mindset that this world is all that there is. So I better make sure I grab everything that I can. 
And so I look at the world, and I think the world's wonderful and good, and I'm in for all the experiences, and I'm, and I'm in for doing anything that I want to do. Why? Because I know in my mind, even though, yeah, Jesus said he's going to come back, I'm not convinced of it, so I'm going to make sure that I get everything that I am in this life. So you grasp for life every day. You fear death. You avoid death. And because of that, you're, you're so locked in. But then there's a completely different crowd and that's the crowd that so wholeheartedly believes in the resurrection and that Jesus is coming back and that when you die, you go get to see Jesus, that they completely check out of the reality of this life. Anybody know somebody like that? You know, it's the kind of people that start a cult and they move up to the mountains, and they stockpile weapons until Jesus returns, right? You know, you know those kind of people? Yeah, see, some of you who know those people don't want to raise your hand because they're sitting next to you right now, right? Those are, that's how cults get started. Why? Because they've checked out of this world, and not realizing this is the reality of what God has done is that there's, what God is doing is it isn't eternity and heaven, by the way, is not some far off destination. Because by the way, we're so consumed with heaven that we forget, you know what we're going to live on? We're going to live on a new earth. You know, I'm going to heaven. You know, heaven's going to come down to meet earth. And what happens is when you fully understand the resurrection and you understand that Jesus is present now and will be more present in the future, then what happens is there isn't this compartmentalizing of our life, which is, okay, this is my life now, then there's death, and now this life starts. It all flows together. Because you realize the moment you said yes to Jesus, you actually experience life and a life that now goes on forever, and it's continuous. Death is not the end. Death is not even a period anymore. Death is a doorway that leads into eternity. So it's continuous. That means that your life is experienced to another dimension in the next life, but you're still starting to catch glimpses of that right now. This whole concept of God's kingdom is that it is present now, but it is not fully here yet. That's why we experience, sometimes we experience healing and sometimes we don't experience healing because we're getting a glimpse of what it's going to be like in fullness when we get to be face to face with Jesus. So that creates tension in us. Tension to be in fear of death, so we grab everything in this life. Intention to escape this life, so we just do time until Jesus comes back. Neither one of those realities is what God wants for us. Because if that was the reality, if Jesus wanted us to just focus on the future, he would have taken us out of the world right now. Why would he have us here? Why? To be fully present in this world because there are billions of people on this planet that don't know Jesus. And if they leave this world apart from that, they won't experience the resurrection that we will experience. And that's why we're still here, to have joy and anticipation of what comes, but as well to let other people know of the hope that's inside of us and what we anticipate in the future. Then there's a, a second reality of how our anticipation should look, and it should look certain. If we really believe that Jesus died on the cross and really believe that he rose from the dead, then we are absolutely certain that on the other side of death, he's waiting for us that we're absolutely certain that in the, in the life to come that we will experience a resurrection, that we're absolutely certain. Now, how do you live your life when you're certain about something? You don't question it. You just believe it, and you do it when you're certain about something. But when you're unsure about something, you second-guess yourself. You, you come up with some kind of backup plan in case it doesn't work, right? Some kind of contingency plan. But if you are absolutely certain, it changes the way you live your life. See, if you're certain about something, you will take risks that you normally wouldn't take risks if you were uncertain because you don't even perceive it as a risk, right? If it's a, if it's a sure thing, then you won't worry about what's going to happen. Why? Because you know it's a sure thing, so in your mind it's not a risk. But most of us are like, oh, I don't know about that. 
I don't know if I want to take a risk. Just think about this for a moment. If you really believe Jesus, and it's guaranteed on the other side of death, it's a doorway that leads to eternity, a resurrected body, and paradise with him forever. If you really believe that, does it change your life? It changed the lives of people 2,000 years ago. Dramatically. See, think about this for a moment. If you were not afraid to die, how would you live your life? Some might say the same way I live today. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not condoning recklessness, but I'm saying if you were actually not afraid to die, how would you live your life? I'm convinced the majority of us would live a completely different life than we live today. Because the majority of what we do in life is to avoid death. Right? We say yes and no to certain things because that's too dangerous. I'm not going to go do that. And we even apply that when God calls us out of things in our life. And we're afraid, and so we're like, no, 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 that couldn't possibly be God's will because God's will for my life is safety, comfort, and peace all the days of my life, right? Read the book of Acts. That'll be a wake-up call. He promises us what? Contentment, provision, and forgiveness and love, but he doesn't guarantee our safety. Now you're like, oh, no, I didn't want to hear that. Many of you know who Greg Barshaw is. Greg Barshaw is um, the, the, the head of Connect2 Ministries, which is our partnership in Haiti. I love Greg Barsha. He's one of my heroes. Because Greg lives his life different than most people who follow Jesus. And Greg and I have had so many long conversations, and a number of times he's mentioned this. And in fact, we had another conversation this last, last week. We got together for coffee. But Greg has said so many times, he goes, I don't understand when people read through the Bible where they find this idea that, we, the idea that when you follow Jesus, you have guaranteed safety. You know that? We, notice, how, what do we always pray for? Journeys, mercies. We always pray, God, keep my family safe. Keep it. When we're following Jesus, yeah, we want to pray for safety, but guess what? If you can't lose when you die, then what do you have to lose? Nothing. In fact, Greg said something that really caught my attention this last week. We were sitting down and talking, and he says to me, and it just it kind of hit me like, whoa. He said, I am so looking forward to dying. I don't have those conversations with people normally unless I need to help them find their way to a hospital or get some medication. But he said, I'm I really am. I look forward to dying. I said, explain that. He goes, I can't wait to the day when I die because I know that I'm going to see people that I haven't seen in a while that I love dearly. I know I'm going to get to see Jesus face to face. I know that when I leave this world, suffering around me and through me is going to be done. He goes, I just cannot wait. I'm like, Greg, you're so wonderfully strange. I love that about you. But think about that. Do you have that same perspective? See, if, if you haven't met Greg, he comes, and I'll have him come in the fall. But I love hanging around Greg because Greg's not afraid to take any risk for Jesus. In fact, there's organizations that will no longer work with Connect to Ministries because they're too dangerous. Because Greg says, I go where God leads me, even if that leads me into places in Haiti that nobody else, including the UN, will, will go to. Because that's where the need is. And that's where Jesus called me. And if I lose my life there, what does it matter? Paul said it so well. To live as Christ, to die is what? Gain. Do we believe that? If we believe that, then when we walk out this door today, we will not allow fear to control us when it comes to responding to what God's doing in our life. It changes everything. In fact, I'm convinced, and I've said this before, in fact, somebody emailed me last night, I was reading early this morning, we emailed someone, uh, the Lord gave them a picture, they're reading a book and a picture of a mountain 
This is in the book they were reading. But there's a mountain that represented the church, and this mountain melted in and became a river, which is very interesting that lately the Lord's been using a lot of water imagery to communicate things to our church. And, and she said in the book, it says that this, this, this mountain merges into or morphs into a river, and out of that river comes generals and giants. And she goes, I don't know what this means or anything. And I'm sitting there, I know exactly what that means. And I've said this time and time again. And I'm not, I don't have any person in mind. I'm not pointing the finger. There are people in our church right now that are going to change the world. They just don't know it yet because they're afraid. There's a life that God has for you to live, but you're so consumed with what you will lose or the fear that you have of death that you haven't stepped out into what God has called you to and equipped you to do. And he wants you to go change the world. And you're afraid because that means you might have to give up something that you think is so dear, near and dear to you. And God's saying there's so much more life outside of this. If you'll just take the leap and then let me catch you in this life, or if you die, I will catch you in the next life. I'm convinced of this. And I'm convinced in every single church that there are people who sit week in and week out and hear great messages, and maybe they teach kids or they do things, but there's something that God has said, I'm calling you to live a life of risk that goes beyond what you're doing, and you won't do it because you're afraid. I think every person that God has ever used for big things and small things has been afraid. We sang it earlier. What? The fear is overcome. That was our prayer that Danny said, this should be our prayer, that fear is what overcome, that we're not afraid anymore. If we really believe Jesus, then fear is not an issue for us anymore. And then we can see God do incredible things in our lives. And then finally, our anticipation should look like passion or be passionate. So if our love for Jesus is deep and we know his love for us is profound, then there is something in us that draws us to him. Something that draws us to eternity. Something inside of us that wants us, that looks forward to this place where I'm going to actually get to be with him. The person who loves me more than any person I've ever known and the person who I love more than any person I've ever known. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8. He says this. He says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Longed, desired, looked forward to, anticipated. Longing is not just a nice little emotion. It's a deep-seated, down to our soul, that I long to see Jesus. Like I said, it's not that we have a death wish. It's that I long to be face-to-face with the one who I know loves me, and that longing draws me towards eternity. It draws me towards a life that's full of risk. Why? Because I know if I die, I get to see him, and the longing in me gets answered forever. So I was thinking this week as I was looking at this passage and just thinking, okay, how in the world do we communicate what it is to long for someone that we love? Now, there's a lot of different analogies and different things that we can talk about. But as I was just thinking about this, the only thing that I can think about when, when somebody that we love or we long for shows up, and sometimes unexpectedly, and there's this great, like, this, this great reunion and celebration, the only thing I can think that kind of comes close to what we'll experience when we see Jesus is when somebody has been serving in the military comes home and they do it as a surprise to their family. Anybody ever seen one of those videos before? Well, you're about to watch a bunch of them. So I'm going to just give you a little qualifier, okay? You're all, oh, man, I already got complaints for a service, okay? I know, you're, just so you know, pull out the tissue now because you're going to cry, okay? 
So this week, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, so, all right, so I go on, on the internet, I'm on YouTube, I'm watching these videos, and it took me about an hour and a half to find, like, a few. The video quality is not the most, the best on these, but you're going to get the point. I'm in my office for an hour and a half, and I'm just sobbing, like, story after story, and surprise after surprise, and, you know, it's just, and I'm just sobbing. I remember I had the door closed, and I had to go out to go to the bathroom, like, I'm, like, wiping my face off, man, the, the staff's going to think I've got issues or something, I'm going to go out, and, because it was just so overwhelming, but I were just sitting there thinking, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like when there's a deep longing to see Jesus, that when he actually arrives, when he shows up, or I see him, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to feel like, and I can't wait for that moment. So we're going to watch this video together, and then the worship team will come back up, and we'll sing uh, one last song together. So let's go ahead and watch these together. Is that your daddy? Daddy! <laughs> oh, yeah. 